0: (laughs) let's get started welcome to the bandwidth this is a (laughs) (laughs) this is a podcast by and for band members uh we are here at the behest of the community, uh, seeking to share information and gather together every week to really think through where we should invest and how we could go about investing in MTG Finance in the best way possible. Uh, As we look to the future, there are a number of things that are happening in the world today that are affecting MTG Finance. I would like to welcome our friends today. Coda is here. Thanks for joining us, Coda.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: It's good to have you. Wolf is here as well. Wolf, thank you for joining us.
2: It's always a pleasure.
0: And uh, our friend Noxon is here as well. Cheers, guys wonderful we have a couple listeners in the audience today people that aren't able to join us but uh, join us for talking but they're here to listen so welcome everyone uh, we're here to get started and talk a little bit about MTG finance what have you noticed in the world today for MTG finance Wolf? uh
2: so i mean currently trends are, are kind of continuing as they have been these past few weeks there have been no major changes which is kind of a nice breath uh nice uh, breath of fresh air i think in my opinion uh we're still seeing um, obviously heavy pressure on the market uh, until vendors return i don't think that's going to stop but we haven't really seen anything too crazy uh, i i mentioned it last Sunday. I think the the craziest thing that I've seen that I still don't see many people talking about is there was a uh, thought lash buyout uh, last Saturday, to Sunday uh, over that night. Um, But other than that, uh, the market has honestly been in terms of wild swings and buyouts, I think in these past five to six days as calm as it's been in in a few months. I don't know about how uh, everybody else feels.
0: Noxon, what are your thoughts on uh, the current state of Magic Finance?
3: Well, I can most likely only talk about the uh, Magic Card market side of it, since that's what I mainly look at. And it's been quite slow, even like for the past couple of months. People have been slowly getting some Modern Horizons, uh, Mythics and Rares, and Rares even to a larger extent, I suppose. And yeah, besides that, people are starting to buy their, their commanders, like their C-16, um, not Tim but like Rayhan type stuff. Yeah, besides that, it's just slow over here, for me at least, and for the people I talk to.
0: That's fair. Coda. what is your perspective, being a person who spends a lot of time on, on European to US arbitrage?
1: Um. I haven't been able to perform much of it and I agree with uh, um, Noxing it has been a bit slow. Um, on the US side, uh, I've seen a lot of action on miniature market. The buy list was extremely active and extremely well responding.
0: Mm. It's pretty interesting. As the buy list markets have come back, we've seen a huge change in how we go about, uh, really, uh, over the past two months, we've seen a change from uh, spending more time on uh, person-to-person sales, and now we're starting to see some arbitrage opportunities from uh, local markets or even from uh, company to company. to make arbitrage happen a little bit more, which has been kind of a nice breath of fresh air for a lot of people, but the shipping is still slow. Um, some of the arbitrage opportunities that we've seen uh, really have been impacted by mailing. Um, Wolf, have you started uh, any arbitrage opportunities right now?
2: Uh, I mean. I did uh, one really uh, kind of, to be perfectly honest, kind of an irresponsibly large order out of um, just for personal financial measures uh, out of um, Japan. Uh, but that was one where I actually I had to order that to Knox to in here in Germany. And I'm, I'm waiting for that to get to me uh, just because the prices in Japan. So slow to actually respond to to North American markets. I didn't want to wait and uh, get caught left slow foot. Um, but other than that, I I can't say that there's any glaring opportunities that I've been taking advantage of. Simply because one, I am actually not a person who. Uh, Actually, does that much arbitrage, or at least overseas arbitrage, I should say. Here in NA, I'm more than happy to find vendors who've priced their uh, inventory incorrectly. Uh, But shipping from Europe to the US is not, or other markets, is not something that I do very often. Uh, That said, I was very interested in Scytherix recently, and I also. Uh, just because I, I still think Magic Card Market is uh, a much easier place to source large amounts of car- uh, quantity-wise, of cards. Um, the new um, uh, uh, Mardu um, Ultimatum, the ruinous Ultimatum, the one that destroys all permanents, I did just uh, get about 50, or I guess more, 40 of those sent over from... Uh, the EU to the US. And uh, well, whenever those show up, I'll be happy if they just arrive.
0: That's that's very fair. Um, Noxon, you've spent uh, you were lamenting in our pre show a, a little bit about uh, Magic Card Market and they're not being really any US to EU opportunities right now because of shipping. What what have you seen over the last uh, couple months? And what's your thoughts on the future?
3: well I can only speak like from the, from the German perspective um, we basically had uh, the regular like small envelope um, good shipment uh, shut down at the beginning of April this year due to the uh, COVID-19 pandemic so there hasn't really been a lot of like small arbitrage stuff going on you can still get shipping like UPS expedited stuff like that but it's like 45 euros so basically kills some sort of the margins that you're making so for me arbitrage has been like super dead lately and thus i focused more on buying locally selling locally getting collections in resetting collections on mcm sourcing underpriced stuff on mcm and there's a lot like especially if you sell back to the german market we have a pretty strong and i think even if substantially growing EDH market lately. So yeah, that's it.
0: You say growing EDH market in Europe. That is something that we haven't heard of before. Is this a, a shift in players?
3: It might be, like I'm um, I can I can speak like for my local play group and we have a lot of people that play Pioneer, that play modern, that play standard or even legacies people like that and they basically all got webcams lately and they started playing like modern whatever but I don't know I think there's just something to EDH that got my local guys to respond more to well then let's just meet and play EDH then
0: <laughs> that's that's pretty interesting um,
3: but that's like that's also like more of a personal opinion stuff not actually data-based or data-backed. So it's just what I've noticed locally.
0: Well, I, I think at the same time, we've got some some local people that really help us understand the larger market. And if you can get a good cross-section in your local community, that will uh, inform uh, a larger community. Uh, I, I was just curious, Coda, what have you been noticing in arbitrage uh, maybe from the US to EU or EU to US. Uh, is there anything happening right now? Um,
1: not exactly right now. There were a couple of uh, judge promo uh, that you could go either way. I think um, Wheel of Fortune was selling more in the EU than the US, but then the US is catching catch, caught up. Now it's probably the same for Jagmoth Will, Judge Bromo, but these are all relatively old, like it's a bit too late now to act on those. It's a good opportunity if you find, I don't know, a local game store underpriced, then sure it could be a good, an interesting card to arbitrage, but I feel like most of the best offers have already gone
0: yeah i know at the beginning of of january i had uh charlie ship me some uh, some judge promos which uh, it it created a great opportunity for me to to do an easy double up here but uh i didn't sell all of them i kept some of them for personal use and charlie corrected us earlier this week he said never get uh never get connected to a card always be willing to sell it uh Don't hold anything as too close to your heart. As I look at my floor and see a giant binder of uh, Minotaur cards from uh, (laughs) Alpha, Beta, Unlimited, uh, Summer, and so on. So uh, I forgot to uh, talk about our main question, Uh, the $100 question, uh, the 100 euro question. Where, Where would you put 100 euros today? Uh, Wolf, what's what's your thoughts?
2: Uh, so um, I, I've, this is why I love my newspaper. I'm able to do this quickly. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm going to break it up short term, midterm, and long term as usual. Uh, my first sh- short term uh, might be a little unfair to somebody who's not uh, really in touch with uh, really digging deep and finding cheap copies. So I apologize on that right now. Uh, but Dragonlord Slumgar, out of Dragons of Tarkir. Uh, and this is also a lesson that I think anybody... Uh, it's more pronounced in this example than it usually is, but it's something to always be aware of. This is a card that the ramp on this card, the, the, the cost of it, looks static. But if you look at the cost of shipping, you'll actually see that it ramps up pretty quickly. Um, so right now, I think the lowest listing that I can see on TCG, looking at lightly played and near mint, is $9.49. But if I just go five or six down, the shipping goes from either free or 99 cents to 2.99. And then you see basically the price continues to ramp up with shipping in this category. And now I see like 3.45 for shipping, $4 for shipping, 4.99 for shipping. Uh, and the shipping cost uh, is to the best of my knowledge is not really reflected when tcg sells a card they look at what the cost of the card was when it's sold not including shipping so you will actually see cards ramp up like this quite uh, actually on a pretty regular basis wherein uh, if you look at like mtg stocks or if you look at these sites that are tracking market values and the market price that a card is selling for you won't actually see the increment happen and then all of a sudden the card will spike and everyone will lose their mind and say that uh, it spiked overnight when really it was a slow gradual thing uh, another card that i called out i guess what six months ago now uh, was a johnny from uh, i think it was corset 2020 um but this it was the, it did the same thing it was another card that slowly crept up and up and up in value, but nobody noticed it because it was the shipping cost that was going up instead of the actual market value of the card, but people kept buying it. Uh, so it's something to keep aware of in the back of your mind. And when I look at uh, Dragon Lord Selimgar, I see a card that has 43 listings. None of these vendors really have deep supply. Uh, the buy list is in a very healthy spot. it's on my, my forecast for going up. Uh, so this is one that in the near term i could definitely see and by near term i mean 30 to 60 days i could definitely see this one moving up a few bucks Uh, and especially if you're able to uh, find uh, some sellers that are a little below what the uh, apparent market value of this card is you will be i think very well positioned uh moving to midterm i'm gonna pick a card that I would almost always steer away from because I I hate cards that have multiple printings, but Gisela Blade of Gold Knight. Uh, she has, I think here, three printing, four printings, and one oversized. Uh, she has six listings under Commander Anthology Volume 2 on TCG. She has 12 for Commander 2015 edition. For Avisen Restored, I mean that was a full set. I see 62 and for Masters 25, only 14. Uh, and again, we're seeing the same thing with the shipping prices here, more pronounced than ever, uh, that uh, this is a card, even though it's got four printings uh, for whatever reason, and I do think this one is 100% because uh, major vendors have pulled themselves out of circulation. I think if they were in play, this card uh, would be, would, i don't think demand would be driving the price up on this card but because they're gone this presents an opportunity uh and it's one that i think people should be aware of if you have these i would look to sell them um if not uh it might be a good midterm play Uh, basically as soon as you hear that vendors are coming back online and listing their inventory on sites again uh, you might want to uh, avoid this one um, but if you're if you're listening on a semi-frequent basis, this is definitely a card that I think you can make some money on in the midterm until those major vendors uh, get their inventory back online. Uh, for long term, uh, I'm of course I'm going to default to to my forecast, and this is also one that I uh, have been buying up quietly uh, underneath what CK Cartoon is paying on their buy list, and that would be Endless Ranks of the Dead at Innistrad uh this is a black enchantment two two colors and two black um this is just a card it's a zombie tribal card it's continuing to go up it's existed in a state of parity below buy list for several months now I'm, I'm satisfied getting my copies uh at this point I I feel like it's not a matter of if this card goes up it's a matter of when uh but there's deep supply on TCG there's Uh, There's not a shortage of supply. This is a card that I would be, uh, and I'll go on the record right now, saying is is undervalued, quote unquote, Uh, just because if a buy list is continually willing to pay more than retail, uh, I think that is demonstrating a demand uh, profile that has yet to be recognized by the rest of the market. Uh, so uh, if you were looking to like fill out orders or if you were just looking for a card that you can sit on mindlessly and look back on in a year and say, oh my gosh, this card went up like five bucks and it's currently valued at $5, uh, this would be a card I think w- that would be very well suited for that.
0: Wow. Well, I, uh, I've, I've talked a lot about, uh, uh, about short and long-term specs, but one of the things that has always surprised me is when we when we talk about a year out uh this is something that we just want to maybe it's a trade spec maybe it's something that you know we're we're back in community uh if we can do that at any point it's something to pick up and be aware of and if we see cheap sitting in a uh in a uh, group then we just snatch it up uh nox and i was curious uh with social distancing, uh, are you able to to buy cards right now? Are you uh, do you have something that where you would say, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a hundred dollars or a hundred euros into this right now."
3: Um, I've recently seen like in the newspaper that Wolf has provided us with um, some movement on Edric the uh, 3CMC um, weenie or how do you call it uh, EDH commander that's been bought a bit in the US on TCG so I moved on a couple of those There are still some cheap left um, I don't really know if they're safe with um, the commander product coming but I actually like those along with um, other commanders that were released in the time frame like with c16 there's still some cheap copies left on mcm and i think that um the increased want and the increasing prices from the us and people sourcing on mcm will drive those up in the short term by quite a bit so if you can still get some of them i would probably go for those um for midterm there's not really anything that i could just like Think off on the top of my head and for longer term I recently started to get some stacks of the um, EDH Modern Horizons cards because that is going or set is out of print and people want their talismans people want that of winter stuff like that so I picked up those rares that are still available in Europe um, for bulk prices and yeah, oh, actually for midterm, we could do um, Return of the Wild Speaker, which have actually been setting really well in the US, which I'm sure Wolf can state as well. And there are still some cheap ones in the EU, like for less than one euro I saw recently, and they're slowly going up. So, yep, that would be it.
2: For Noxen, I know Temple of, or not Temple, but Talisman of Conviction and Talisman of Creativity, especially. Uh, at least on the U.S. end, there's been a lot of demand for those two in particular. I believe mm-hmm. that's the white-red one and the blue-red one. Um, if you can snag those cheaply in the EU in any quantity, I think that's going to be a great... I, I know pilots are cut off for you right now, uh, but that is a play that I'm desperate to be a part of and I can't be right now.
3: Conviction and? Uh, creativity
2: because like, i'm noticing the pressure on the the na side so i'm waiting for that to, to reach uh, <laughs> they're uh, people really want them uh and since it's single printing from modern horizons uh, it, it just seems right now there is not enough supply uh, i don't know when people are going to wake up to that uh, but these are definitely something, two cards that is, that I've noticed especially, and I've actually actively gone out looking for, and have not been able to find uh, in decent enough quantities that I wanted. Um, that uh, clear, clearly are showing demand on the North American side that is not being met right
4: now. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely go out and admit that in the last hour or so, I've uh, been looking at some uh, APAC regionist ultimatums. <laughs> Only because uh earlier on this afternoon someone happened to clear out all the good walls in the EU so now I've had to branch out further.
3: <laughs> what well, did you just mention the ultimatums? The ruinous? Ruinous ultimate. Ah. Uh, are we already buying those? Honestly, like isn't peak supply still a little bit away? Sorry yes, father yes. for like completely throwing over the <laughs> conversation. <laughs>
4: Well, I mean, I'm just uh, I'm I'm following a three-market review, and funnily enough, ninth and tenth place are both Warrior singles. Uh, Ruinous Ultimatum in ninth, and Shark Typhoon in ten.
2: Dude, Shark Typhoon is selling so well, and I don't get it.
4: <laughs> it's the
3: we memes.
2: Are... Yeah, it really is, though, isn't it? Like, I don't
4: get it. But Memes sell. Like we're in 2020.
2: I guess. I mean, but for me, Ruinous Ultimatum, I'm. I'm... I mentioned it earlier, Bacon, you might not have been on yet, but right. I want, I look at that card and I see, like, EDH sexiness right there. Like, i played against it a couple times, and that's totally biasing my view on it, uh, but it's just one that I look at, and I'm like, anybody who's running those colors is gonna want to do this. Like, if you can, you're gonna want to do this. And if I can get, for like, I don't know, 60, 70 cents, or in that Whatever that conversion rate is, and get them over to the U.S. I know I could out them at cost, and it's just one that I am—I'm really more than happy to, given its low price range, just to sit on for a few, like for half a year, and just see if it doubles up, and just be very happy making a dollar card.
4: Did I hear you talking about uh, endless ranks of the dead just before when I was logging in?
2: Yes, you did.
4: Did you happen to see uh, witches snuck into number 18th place? 18th place on which uh, top 25 res oh
2: oh yeah you're looking at the newspaper that I created that I myself am not looking at <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, once again uh, coda what are your thoughts on this hundred dollar question where would you sink a hundred euros or hundred dollars today um,
1: I haven't a couple of um, categories for the medium-long-term and I have one card that I'm looking at uh, for the short-term and I believe it falls into the same sentiment that uh, uh, Wolf was uh, mentioning uh, the card is slowly draining uh, and it's disappearing but uh, the, the price is not reflecting the change because of the increasing uh, shipping price uh, the card is Herald of the Secret Streams, uh, foil version. If you look at TCG right now, the it's the the pre is already at uh, thirty dollars, and there are a handful of normal foil ones left. I think there is some synergy for the new command with the new commander. Uh, and in general it's, it's a good card uh, uh, for proliferate and uh, and similar strategies. Um, I don't think this is a $30 card long term and this is a bit of a buyout, but there are still a couple of cheap uh, points that you can easily double up in, in a few days, in my opinion. And for the medium long term, my take would definitely be every single test print card. Like if you see one, just buy it. I believe that this will be, with the news that uh, um, there, there will be no um, events, uh, that it means that uh, no Mr. Booster Convention Edition will be opened. And uh, uh, that means that there will be fewer and fewer of these, of these cards available. Uh, yes, they are. They might be uh, hard to sell, and they might be um, slow to sell as well. But I believe that as long as there is not a huge reprint of those, there will be collectors for them. And it, right now, you can still find them at very cheap prices. And if you're filling up an order and the seller is having some some of them, I'll I just add them. That's that's what I've been what I have been doing lately.
0: Yeah, those playtest cards are, I I haven't been thinking about because I I just assumed that we would be opening more convention boosters. It kind of begs the question: What's going to happen if CFBE folds? What's going to happen to all of those uh, mystery booster boxes that they perceptively have in hand?
1: That's a very very interesting question. One possibility is that uh, they might be liquidated and they might be to some private collector or some huge store. And that will basically limit the supply and availability of the boxes.
0: I'm wondering if they would uh, port them over to Channel Fireball to resell. But, But at the same time, we don't know if Wizards of the Coast has actually printed all of that um mystery booster convention edition supply uh or if they're or what and they're doing with
1: it and what's the price point for those boxes
0: right you know we've seen upwards of $600 for a box and probably going for more in the European Union uh where they what had maybe one or two events with mystery boosters
1: something like that yeah
2: also just on these just like my hot take on this would be like these are cards that you could only get if you were there in person so these are going to be cards that people have stories attached to and personal like you know this is i pulled this at so and so event and this was like the, the time that it happened this they people are going to have stories around these which means they're not going to want to list them and sell them uh and then on top of that you're never gonna see i, I mean i could be Totally wrong in this, but I can't see Wattsy ever reprinting these. I mean, why? Why would you? <laughs> like what? Uh, so the fact that there's so low initial supply and that the people that have them are going to be attached to them because I would not sell mine if I had pulled any, uh, and I sell everything and I try and keep that separation of church and state. So uh, these just feel like a very very reliable place for me
0: so one of the things that we do here at ban is that we take our tools very seriously and uh since today we've got two of our experts on building tools here and then also uh we we have somebody that's been using tools for a very long time in noxon Uh, what are the secrets to your well i guess we can't ask that deep question what the secrets are but Mm -hmm. What is the how-to of building tools and what's the best way to go about starting this process?
2: I'm going to go ahead and prefix this with, if anything that I say, Coda contradicts, listen to Coda because he's way better at this than I am. Um, uh, But I, I mean, really, the biggest thing is getting the information. And the way that you get the information is web scraping is, is data scraping uh or or crawling or or spiders wh- whatever you want to call it uh basically whenever a website whenever you go to a website and you see like on tcg it says x card so um uh, is at eight dollars and ninety three dollars or eight dollars and ninety three cents as the market price right now that information is hard-coded into this website so that means in just by making it visible to us, they have made it also accessible for us to track. Now, this obviously takes a bit of a, of a coding background, but I'm not gonna lie to you, it doesn't take much of one um, because I'm doing it and I'm not that good at am I'm, I am above average, but I am not exceptional by any means. And this was just something that I looked at, and I was like, I wanna keep track of that. How do I do this? And I literally just watched YouTube videos until I got there. Um, this is totally something that really, I, I don't want to say anybody can do because you, you will really hurt their servers. Um, but uh, in terms of what we use in our tools, is we look at the, this information, this, this card name, this mark, this set information, and we pull that data and then we, we track it over time. Uh, more specifically, what I do is I track it over time and I try and do some fancy things with it and predicting, or uh, looking at what it might be in the future in terms of buy list, in terms of uh, retail cost, in terms of like the shipping prices and how they're changing, so that I can be aware of all of this. Um, The other thing uh, that Coda is is much, much better uh, at doing than I am, but is also equally important, is just comparing this to competitors. Uh, You will learn very early on in this that uh, Magic, The gathering online sellers uh, are abysmally poor at looking at their competitors and what they're doing so if you're able to compare one website to another you will actually be able to see that a card that might be worth $30 on Card Kingdom you could sell to ABU for 60 and all of a sudden you've made $30 just because you were paying attention uh, and this is not an uncommon thing. Uh, so, just paying attention to these these discrepancies, uh, I like to look at trends much more over time. Um, at least with what I with with my background and what I do, I like to try and be the guy with the crystal ball, kind of looking at this is what it did in the past. This is what similar cuts did in the past. I want to look at the future. How do, how do I do this? Uh, and, and how do you forecast and obviously nobody is psychic and even if you look at all of the data in the world you will never be right. Uh, but that that is really like my kind of area in it and the tools that I kind of try and create is looking at historical information and trying to look ahead to the future. Um, what about you, Koda?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I can agree uh, wholeheartedly uh, with everything you said. Uh, I feel like the main difference in uh, our scrapping strategy is that uh, uh, you would define a few targets and go temporal analysis and whereas I try to go more spatial and uh, wide uh, in the meaning in the number of uh, uh, stores that uh, I try to pull data from and <laughs> yeah. Uh, if I see, if, if there is one trend that uh, uh, I've seen is that a lot of websites are probably inputting data manually, and there are in, in very silly typos <laughs> happening all the time. And uh, this falls into the first problem: like, how do you, uh, how do you, how do you aggregate the data that you found, uh, and uh, uh, how do you compare each card with each set of each set? And that's really hard. There is. Most uh, most of the comparison right now that you can find on uh, other other tools uh, is uh, most, usually only work for uh, expansions like normal normal Ikoria or normal Theros. However, they they have a very hard time in identifying the promo editions, the release, the promo pack, the uh, Gateway promo, the Judge promo, the Arena promo. That is, this is in part because uh, Wizard does not have a very clear database of cards that they ever produced. Uh, and that's why um, uh, a lot of the vendors have to improvise. Uh, most of them just have a gigantic promo edition and then a- append the, the real edition in parentheses in the card name. Uh, af- after a while, you, you, you... this is the, the lucky case. After a while, you can notice that uh, uh, A lot lot of uh, these assignments are actually wrong. Like some cards are arena and some cards are judge, and vice versa. Uh, What we've done for our tools is uh, uh, using and deploying uh, MTG JSON, uh, which is a fantastic uh, tool that combines multiple sources and create, including Scryfall and uh, the Gatherer, I think. And uh, it combines them in a single usable, <laughs> gigantic uh, file, but it contains all the properties. And by using that and associating data, uh, you're able to actually associate uh, a f- a single file to a single card. Uh, I th- sorry, a single entry uh, on on a on a, data, on, on a vendor's website to a real um, card. And, That would have have been impossible without uh, such a tool. So uh, if the MTG JSON developers are listening to, I'm very grateful for what they've done.
2: Yeah, oh god, I cannot give MTG JSON enough praise. Also, but the thing that I want to point out that you kind of glossed over, that I want the world to know that you did, because oh my god. So when you think of a set like fourth edition, how do you spell 4th edition? Do you spell it with a number and then TH? Do you just put 4 in addition? Do you write out the word 4th? And all of these websites, because there's no centralized database, they all do it differently. And what Kota what did, I, I don't understand how, my God, is he's actually been able to unify these sets in in a in a way that like if you look from one set to another or from one website to another, it, he's basically looked at them and said, "All right, here are X options that it could be because of other historical things." And it, it, it's just amazing that he's been able to line up everything so that all of these websites talk to each other. It's oh, uh, it's a it's a Herculean effort. I can't. <laughs> Oh my God! I, yeah. I would not even do it just because the time that it takes is oh.
1: Yeah, that's actually a, a, a very nice subproduct of going wide. Like you realize that there are a lot of patterns that a lot of sides follow, but not all of them, and not all the times. So what the way I solve this is basically gathering up rules that apply to each of the cards. So. Uh, mtdjson provides uh, for each card provides which possible printing this card is in and so then you uh, if you know if you have this, this information you can derive uh, which is the right card either by looking at the card number collector number or by looking if there is a pre-release tag then it means it's from the pre-release edition and you go over like that for all, thing, all possible editions and uh yes at the end of the day is the tool the only the, the, the single part that checks which card it is from which set is, I think, the biggest portion or, and what took me most of the time. But once that, that part is done, uh, implementing new scrapers is fairly easy. Like my production time, like uh, I think I, I've, I've been able to complete the uh, Car Kingdom and Mirror you know, to Market in one month each. But then after making separating the tool, uh, I've been able to add the scrapers mostly once every two weeks, so uh, once every week, uh, depending on the complexity. So it, it's, it's definitely an, an essential tool, like how, how, to, how to compare them.
2: For, for any of you wondering out there, like why are, we, why are we volunteering this information, it's because of what Coda has done here in doing that, that if you put that effort in and you do that, oh my god you're welcome come join us oh my god like that is that is just insane i I can't stress that enough uh at least in my mind it's so cool but it's uh, it's so much work
0: so so one of the things that i want to kind of touch on is that uh we can we can sit and we can think through all of the different arbitrage opportunities and how to go about getting that data but uh, I know a lot of people need some real-world examples. Uh, Bacon, you, you came up with an example uh, just now. Uh, what, what is your example?
4: Um, so while Wolf and Coda were just uh, explaining some of the information about the website um, and how they pulled the data from it, I was actually just scrolling through the tools myself. Um, I, I don't have the, the coding background or, or the knowledge scraping but I'm very good at being able to use something that's been built well. Uh, And straight away, I was able to see that uh, clicked in the Abu Games function, uh, the view across the top. So we have Abu Games, Card Kingdom, ECG. You see different variations of the cards that are listed and their different uh, spreads in prices and price ratios. And at the very top of the list, um, Card Kingdom was actually offering a large spread on the titanic rex uh, from akoria it's the godzilla primeval champion oil one. Um, they were actually offering um two dollars seventy buy price and three dollars fifty in trade and it showed up in the listing because Abu actually had them listed at a dollar 25 but when i went ahead a look there some of those listings um had kind of disappeared from the market so they there was only two copies at the time but then I just used that information and just jumped back across the water to the EU Pond and just had a look to see what was this card like over here. And straight away, I just found a single vendor with 21 copies at 50 cents each, or 50 cents in Euros. So by the time I buy them over here, it's going to cost about 60, 63 cents, 64 cents each after you factor in shipping. Um, and that's straight across. So literally making 2 dollars and Thirty cents per copy of this card. Been listening, Coda and Wolf talk about how good the tool is.
1: Can I? I wanted to add the, one more point uh, to the technical discussion. Uh, one thing that uh, uh, a lot of beginners scrap scrapers uh, scra- scraping. Sorry, one of the things that uh, a lot of pe- people that are just starting out with the scrapers. Is that they're worried of being uh, caught up or that uh, they need to use a vpn or some other thing and you don't actually need to do that but you need to to respect the the data source Uh, i know this feels like very much like a a matrix quote but uh, um you can't like if you if you bring down the site while you're pulling down the, the information or if you Pull this, or if you ping the site too much and the site is low down for everybody, and the site owners change the layout of the site so that you don't have it, then it is a waste of time for you because you don't have the data anymore and you need to rebuild your tool every time. So the good way to do that is to put delays between each request mm-hmm. and uh, spread out your requests. So don't don't do like a mm-hmm. hundred requests every uh, in parallel uh, and just slow down the site. But just do a couple, like just do eight. That's my, my, my favorite number. Just do eight eight parallel requests uh, with uh, one, one, 100 milliseconds uh, mm-hmm. delay so that the site can digest your traffic. You can get the data because you don't need them. You don't need the data in in an in instant. And you're able to actually um, most likely the website won't even notice the additional traffic that you bring So uh, my, my, One of my advice would be just be respectful of the data source
2: First of all, I just want to say everything that Koda says treat as freaking gospel uh, second um, uh, I think a good like practice source for this would be scryfall something that any uh, Magic the Gathering player should be familiar with Uh, they actually have an api that you can query to to kind of build just to see information on cards you have or any cards that you want to uh but they 100 percent request that you keep your your pings basically how often you ask them to under 10 times per second um and i feel like if you can slow it down for them Take that methodology and constantly use it going forward on any site, even if they don't ask you to do it, Uh, because, again, you want want a resource that you can continually go back to. So as long as you respect that source and you don't try and ask it for a million different things, literally in under a second, because computers can do this, just definitely keep that mentality moving forward. It might slow you down maybe like 15, 20 minutes at worst. Um, but definitely, definitely do that.
0: So I'm, I am not a computer person. Um, I tend to borrow information from people. I, uh, called a friend from the geek squad to have him help me put in a a solid state drive in my computer (laughs) remotely. Um, so I, I know nothing about what you just said, but I do know to be respectful, you take your time and uh, let the let the site do its work um, and taking your time uh, is 100 milliseconds. That seems pretty reasonable to me, uh, but I know nothing about computers. So uh, that being said, the tools that we have right now, they they are pretty extensive. Um, we have we have the newspaper uh, and and the newspaper has uh, some some very good things happening with it. Can you talk to us uh, a little bit about the background of the newspaper, Wolf, and then how you and Coda work together to uh, to start scraping and then building a, a usable uh, platform uh, like what it is?
2: Yes, yeah, so. Uh, there was a time where I actually called Coda and actually tried to teach him something. Uh, and thinking back now, I want to myself, because, dear God, um, uh, this dude can code me under the table in his sleep, thinking backwards. Uh, but my, my newspaper, uh, basically what, what it's trying to do is, it's looking at uh, predominantly a relationship between TCG Player and Card Kingdom and it's looking at basically market values and i uh, just uh sorry rewind just a bit uh, as i'm talking very fast here um uh, i chose tcg and cartoon because i feel like tcg is the best selling platform out there i feel like the average player and consumer when they buy a card you are going to go to two sites tcg and ebay Uh, And eBay is complicated, so I chose TCG because it's very simple. Uh, And in comparing TCG, I thought, okay, what's the number one place that I see players uh, sending their cards to? And that was actually Card Kingdom, because if you want to buy list your card, they're the best buy list, almost always. So TCG and Card Kingdom became my basically my case study. I wanted to see the relationship between the two. So my newspaper is uh, looking at the difference between retail prices on TCG. And the important thing to always remember, even if you're not a seller, please have this information as a customer. Whenever somebody on TCG sells you a card, they are not seeing the taxes that you are paying on it, the shipping they are seeing, so keep that in mind but they are also losing 15% to TCG. So anytime somebody sells you a card, they are usually on average about, they're they're making revenue wise 20 cents, 20 points below what you paid. So what that means is there's a lot of opportunities wherein they could probably just buy list the card and make more money, but they're not doing that because uh, one, they haven't checked, two, since they've listed it, Um, the the buy list has changed. Buy list changes hourly at Card Kingdom. They're very good at that. I respect them for that. Um, but this is something just to keep in mind, and this is how opportunities arise. Um, so basically, by constantly watching this relationship between TCG and specifically TCG Low and what Card Kingdom is willing to pay you on their buy list, uh, you are able to discover opportunities wherein. Uh, Somebody is selling too low on TCG, and basically, if you were to buy their copy, even after shipping, taxes, and fees, you could then immediately send it to Card Kingdom for a profit. That is the ideal goal. Now, this obviously does not exist very often. If it does, smarter people than me would be here. Uh, But that is the goal that we are working towards on my newspaper. Um, The next element, because I like to try and predict the future because I'm crazy and kind of annoying, but that's what I like to do, that's what I find really, really interesting. Um, I like to look at historical data, and oftentimes you'll see on Card Kingdom, because they update it so often, um, they'll have these weird moments where they'll offer a lot on a card. like way more than usual but then they'll come back down immediately uh, and that's because somebody sent them cards they were paying attention and they realized this card went way up it's usually european vendors uh it's it's not the north american uh that's yeah but that's um but these are the things that you pay attention to and if, if you notice that they raise this offer often enough uh, you can kind of narrow in on cards wherein the market doesn't realize there's a demand for it. But clearly, there is. Uh, and w- when you notice these opportunities, you, when you're tracking over time, you can kind of, kind of zero in and be like, all right, this card. This card has spiked like half a dozen times over the past three weeks. And uh, I realize even though the market hasn't changed their market price, and even though Card Kingdom Buy is at parity, and, and that means the buy list is literally even with the selling price. I can reasonably expect this price to go up on the buy list and retail. And that puts you in the best buying position that you can possibly be in uh, because you've basically recognized this opportunity ahead of the market. And, and even the people running this buy list are not looking at it because if they were, they'd be buying it themselves. Uh, and this is what I try to present to you in my newspaper, I basically show you these opportunities that have historically been occurring again and again and again, and nobody else is paying attention to them. Uh, and I'm trying to pull them to your focus and be like, these are the cards to focus on. These are the cards that the market doesn't realize they want, but they are already buying. Um, and that, that's basically the summary for my newspaper.
0: That gives us a pretty good idea of where to start and where we're going. Uh, We've been working together for the past six months to develop some of these tools. And there are some tools that uh, are not out yet, but uh, create some some pretty good opportunities for us. Coda, would would you like to touch on those briefly?
1: Uh, Yeah. First of all, I would like to say that it's actually uh, Wolf that brought me into this... (laughs) Like I really appreciate the time he took to explain me how scraping works, and then that actually got me hooked up. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) basically, we have uh, all the tools. is thanks to him, uh, definitely. And uh, uh, what I have is just data. I'm swimming in data. I'm actually drowning in data. I don't know what to do with all this data. I, I also don't have infinite capital, and so I can't act upon on those data. And so m- the best way that I could uh, use it uh, is uh, share the data I, I, get, I got uh, uh, with everybody. Uh, and so what I would like to release soon is uh, a series of tools uh, uh, that can help uh, the community and that some of us have been expecting for quite some time. The the first iteration will probably just a very simple search tool uh, that uh, would allow to search for a card and just have all the prices for the sale prices and all the offers for the buy prices, and this which, uh, and as well as inventory uh, levels if available. Uh, that should be a very good introductory. Uh, and useful tool for when we have to gauge interest on a certain card and uh, uh, i think it's something that uh, um, does not exist uh, at the scale and level right now so uh, as i mentioned before like our our tools are special because they manage to map uh, even sets that are normally skipped by others and the sheer number of uh, 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 scrapers that we have uh, uh, vastly uh, outdoes the competition. And not all of the tools will be available uh, whenever we, uh, uh, we we offer this service, but it will be a gradual uh, improvement. And we want to hear a lot of feedback from the community on how they use it uh, and. how how they would like to to improve. Uh, We've we've already had a couple of beta tests that I'm very thankful for, and they provide some useful feedback. Uh, But as I mentioned, this this is something that uh, uh, I I would like you to use because it's something that I use.
0: Noxen, you've been using tools for many years, and uh, we're just wondering what your thoughts are on tools. Uh, the tools that you use but then also the direction that you think we need to go with tools
3: um first and foremost i've been using tools since i don't know whenever we started comparing uh, tcg to ck mostly or whenever we started actually getting um card kingdom data in and since i'm located in the eu, uh, in the EU um my buy-in place is usually mcm and you can't like I, I figure you can scrape mcm as well but they are pretty i don't know they if they notice it they will shut you down and they will make sure that you will get issues with your seller account and stuff so they're pretty restricted on that side so for me i had to get um like a professional account set up and with that you get access to um, the MCM API um, from where you can like all all the freaking stuff that is out there, like um, inventory level changes, price changes, stuff like that. And I met a guy locally who's, um, I guess it's fair to say he's pretty pretty good at coding does it for a living as well since many years and we had a couple of talks um, for a little while we've been working together and we've been basically doing the whole MCM to Card Kingdom to Abu to Channel Fireball, MTG Seattle um, miniature market arbitrage stuff
0: You exist in a uh, very unique spot uh, because your tools are uh, are not public to all of ban at this time Um, and i don't know if there are plans to make it public Uh, but it is something that can be done Uh, it just takes time and effort and money and uh, part of being a part of the ban uh, the bandwidth number one but then also being a part of the patreon is is providing for those finances to make these tools more readily available um yeah and, and I think that's one of those things that, that we have to balance because we have individual members within the group that are working on things that we can't talk about, uh, but we may know of. Uh, we can't talk about them not because they're illegal, but because it is it is a private project that each of them are working on individually. And as it's an individual project, uh, we can't expect them to just lay it out uh, for the, the general masses to... Uh, to ravage and look at, um, but at the same time, uh, we really want people to bring their talents and abilities to the table. And knowing how to build a scraper, knowing how to how to code, knowing how to uh, use these these skills, and from one coder to another to another, you develop your own tool and you develop your own interactions that make sense to you. This helps people grow as individuals within the band community. And the more that we can teach and more that we can encourage people to uh, to learn, the more public tools that we can have and the more things that people bring to the table. Uh, and so it's a it's a tough tightrope balance that we walk between uh, producing tools for our own benefit, but then also having tools available for, uh, for the public and uh, not only the public, but then also for those that join the Patreon.
2: Like my biggest thing is just like, uh, if if you want to build off of what we provide you, freaking do it. Yes. Just don't ever take something that I've already created and try and hold it against me. But if you, if you were able to build off of what we're doing here, yes, that is amazing. That is exactly what I do personally want to be doing I want to be I, I it just makes me feel good as a person that's just yes yes
0: I think as we come towards the end of our uh, of this week's podcast what I'm hearing from everyone uh, is that developing tools is something that anybody can make happen uh, it is there is information and data readily available to understand how the markets are moving from store to store, from from product to product. Uh, it takes time and ingenuity to make that happen. Uh, Noxon is a prime example of this. Uh, with no coding ability, he took the information that was given to our community to create an opportunity for himself to work full-time in Magic Finance. Um, his he may not have arbitrage at this time, but uh, Noxon, you have, you have shown that you are a talented person and very smart when it comes to Magic Finance, and uh, you're doing it with one hand tied behind your back right now, and uh, I'm very excited to, to see what you'll do. Koda, uh, you have put together some uh, amazing tools that are in the works even still. Uh, that we've seen some sneak previews of, but uh, we are anticipating some, some great things from them. Uh, and all because we, we ask the tough questions about how do we get more data. And Wolf brings to the table the ability to gather data and uh, understand where it comes from and understand how to predict markets. Um, all of this comes about because uh, the bandwidth decided to get together and talk. Uh, decided that we were able to do more if we pooled our resources. And uh, we see prime examples of that all across our our community, and we see that uh, within the Discord, and we see that within uh, the future of MTG Finance as well. Uh, we are shaping a new, smarter market, and uh, we're, we are shaping new and smarter financiers as well as we move forward. I would like to thank you for joining us on the Bandwidth today. Is there anything else you would like to add to today's uh, podcast? Uh, Wolf, anything? Uh, No, I'm good on my
2: end. I don't really have anything that I can think of.
0: Noxon, is there anything that you would like to add?
3: No, I'm just glad I I could be here and try to uh, contribute. And, yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Coda, yourself, do you have anything else to add? I I would just
1: I would just like to add that uh, these um, all these tools uh, and this uh, learning and improvement uh, we've been able to get get here because we were in the right environment at the right time. We've been uh, in a very uh, encouraging community that uh, helps uh, and motivates people to bring out the best in themselves. Uh, I, th- I think we should. It should be clear that uh, we don't want uh, uh, to build a, a wallet garden where uh, the Discord is pastoral all the time and you only receive uh, from the top. Uh, we want engagement from the community and both uh, on the finance level and on the technical level.
0: Is there anything else that you would like to add, Craig?
4: Well, I suppose as this is technically episode one for the world, um those of you who are listening, thank you. Um, for those of you who have been here from the beginning, even more. And just uh, the, the four or five of you who are on the cast with me, like this was a, a project of passion, which was started with three or four people just because we wanted to have a bigger conversation about market prices and just develop friendships along the way. Um, and thankful for that in general. And it's just nice to see that project has started off as literally a drip and is now a ripple the waves are getting bigger
0: our bandwidth is increasing and we are so glad that you're able to join us Uh, thank you for a great time talking and uh, we hope to talk to you soon (laughs)